You've selected a show from the Podcast Jukebox, a DIY podcast network. This episode of No Love Lost is brought to you by FredsBS.com. That's breads and spreads by Fred. So, Valentine's Day is coming up, which means it's the perfect occasion to get your loved ones some really delicious baked goods. Fred has something special lined up for Valentine's Day, so check out his website for more details on that. But you guys don't need the holiday for an excuse to get delicious treats. Fred has plenty of delicious menu items all year round including his BS box, which includes six cookies, a four-ounce jar of jam, and two small orders of baked goods. If you go to fredsbs.com and use the coupon code NOLOVELOST, that's all one word, NOLOVELOST, you'll get 20% off of your order. So guys, go get yourself some treats uh, and enjoy. Once again, go to fredsbs.com, use that coupon code for 20% off your order. Okay, Michelle, take it away. Let's go to the island I would like to see the polar bears There was a crash And there are others And there are numbers And it all means something supposedly But even though there are times we to go back did we did we really i think we i think we did Mm. i think especially if we have invited guests we really have to go back (laughs) just because you invite someone to the island does not mean you have to go back to the island that's crazy talk welcome back to no love lost the podcast where we re-examine re-litigate however we re-everything i really re-watch the great ABC series Lost. I'm very fond of the term relitigate. <laughs> uh, I don't know if relitigate is a term or if it's just litigate, but I'm willing to go with relitigate for sure. I am Will Link, and with me as always, Megan Salinas. Hey, everyone. And Megan, we have a guest today. We do. Uh, joining us uh, via the the telecommunication network <laughs> that we have here at the jo- Podcast Jukebox Network, uh, Eddie Revis is calling in from uh, Texas all the way. Hi, Eddie. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Thank you guys so, so much for joining us. Um, For those of you who might not be familiar, Eddie Rivas is a writer at uh, a network called Rooster Teeth. He's written for some of my favorite animated programs, such as um, Camp Camp and uh, a little thing, just a little tiny show I love called The Nomad of Nowhere. Uh, So, Eddie, thank you so, so much for joining us tonight. Oh, yeah. Thank you for for having me on decide if we should have gone back for this episode. <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this. Let's start off with this. In the in the world of Lost, do you side more with me? Do you side more with Megan? Like, are you are you a, a Lost fan? Or do Pro you have... or against, Or yeah. do you have a wrong opinion about the series? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I have... It's weird. I have very complicated, like, extremely complicated feelings about Lost, where, like, there are things about it that I feel like it was like the, the ushering in of like the golden age of TV and some like all time like standout episodes and like even whole seasons of like peak TV, but also like things that are 
some of the most like frustrating worst. <laughs> like I just I can't I, can't, I get like the show makes me upset and like excited like all on the same breath because of, yeah I just have very I'm like right in the middle of the road. Okay, it's middle of. Yeah, there. I definitely, I think Eddie, you and I are more in the same camp than Will might might say because Will just is so used to hearing my negativity all the time. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot Lost has to be proud of in terms of groundbreaking television, uh, and you know, as you said, setting sort of the gold standard for a lot of TV that followed it. But it's also bad. <laughs> Like, just because something's groundbreaking doesn't necessarily mean it holds up. Um, See, I can't say it's bad. I feel like it's got, like, season four and season five, to me, are, like, two all-time great, like, level. And then, like, The Constant, I think that's season four, The Constant. That's season four, yeah. Episodes of TV you, like, ever made. (laughs) Yeah, that's, I mean, that's my favorite hour of television probably ever. And one of the most emotional hours of television. The constant is something that gets brought up a lot when people want to defend a lot of the good elements of Lost. So I'll be I'll be very interested to see when we get to that. Well, you know episode. what's interesting because I know the, those are the the seasons he just mentioned, seasons four and season five. I think those are great. I think those are the seasons that separate Lost from the other shows, yep. and those are the seasons, Megan, that you don't like. Uh, yep. <laughs> Uh, like season four of Lost is my favorite season of Lost. Mm-hmm. I think, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Season four is also. I, I agree that it is your favorite season. <laughs> <laughs> On that we can agree. Uh, um, yeah, I, it's funny. Like looking back, when people write about like the finale, I actually don't have a problem with the, the series finale. It's the, the final season I have a problem with. Um, like, I feel like the series finale did what it, like, did a very hard job of landing and landing it decently for the characters. That's what it focused on. But, like, I felt like the final season was the one that kind of, like, crashed the bed. So, yeah, there's there's I'm a lot you. going on, for sure. <laughs> so, let's talk about this episode. I, I do want to oh, ask oh, real quick, okay. uh, Eddie, how did you become a fan of Lost? sounds very similar to to mine i always had a a specific group that i sat down and watched it with every week Mm -hmm. i watched it and i had a separate group that i would like meet for lunch the next day and talk (laughs) about the previous the the previous night's episode see now that was more me like 
I watched the episodes alone. I didn't want anyone interfering with me, <laughs> interfering with my, like, I didn't want somebody, like, going, like, in the middle of a scene being like, oh, wait a second, is that? I'm like, shut up. <laughs> Asking I, you dumb, stupid questions. And, like, who's that? What's he doing that for? But then the next day, I would, there were, like, various friends I would either meet with or I'd get on the phone with and, like, we'd unpack everything. Um, well, let's unpack this one. We're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 20, Do No Harm. It is written by Janet Tamaro and directed by Stephen Williams. Um, I'll come right out and say, I think this is a great episode with a lot of just complicated pairings of characters um and it's and i mean look it's also an episode on the surface it's about death but also new life i mean the themes of this episode it wears it on its sleeve but i think it pays them off really well personally uh yeah eddie you you came in for a good one uh i i don't have a whole lot of complaints about this one uh personally yeah, I, um, this episode is, is, when it's good, it's good. It's got a couple of, like, kind of lostism type things that, like, drove me crazy about the first couple of seasons, but, like, just in small amounts. So, like, because some of the first, in the first couple of seasons, there were some rough episodes. <laughs> um, but this is, this is a very nice, uh, touching one, yeah. Well, I think one of the things um, that this show does fantastically is when, you know, a situation you know uh, immediately there's a high stakes situation and everybody sort of has to put their bullshit drama aside to work together for a common good and you know the bullshit drama is still there but it has to take a back seat to the immediate danger the immediate problem that needs to be solved and that's what i like best about watching lost is seeing this very diverse very different group of very different people with different experiences and worldviews having to come together to survive. And a lot of that, because this episode starts in crisis mode, a lot of this episode is that beat. And, and, and it maintains that throughout. And yeah, it really does. And it's, it's one of the rare Lost episodes that everybody kind of gets a moment. Everybody has to get a moment to be part of be it uh, the death of Boone or the birth of Aaron. You know, everybody gets that, gets a... Gets a, a, a moment a, to shine, A yeah. moment to shine or, you know... Or not shine. Not, or maybe not be at the best. <laughs> or at except, least to be there. Except, except Locke, who has disappeared. Or, or, or if you're like Shannon and Saeed, you know, you just, <laughs> you're somewhere else. You're just yeah. there. <laughs> um, well, let's, we, we often like to start with the flashback. So I think we're going to start with the flashback. And it is a Jack flashback. And uh, we see it opens with a little bit of a misdirect. We see Jack and a, and a buddy of his. With his buddy, Zach Ward. Yeah. I, I, can I just complete sidebar? I love this guy. I love Zach Ward. I love seeing him pop up and stuff. He's great. He brings a smile to my face. I'm so happy he's here. We can move on. <laughs> and he's, uh, you know, Jack's helping him with this. Oh, you know, you could back out of this thing. Like, and he's t- what he's talking about is that 
Zach Ward has to give the best man speech at what? Jack's getting married? Is Jack married? And it's this little misdirect at the beginning that we've had Jack this whole time on the island and never thought that maybe he's married. Maybe he's anything, you know, in, in, in some sort of committed relationship. Uh, which, on island time, he is not. <laughs> but we don't know that yet in, in lost time. Hey, what happens on the island stays on the island. And he's doing pretty well for himself. He's marrying Julie Bowen. Who, if you're maybe not as familiar, you might, like, you def- you definitely recognize her. Uh, she's in a lot of television. She's in Modern Family. Modern, I believe she's won Modern an Emmy family. for it. Yeah. Yep. Won yep. an Emmy for that. Uh, what I recognized her from was the, the mom and liar, liar. Um, so she's she's done so many things, and she's super talented, and I'm so happy that she found a home on Modern Family, because uh, she's super funny, too. Long story short, Jack got himself a catch. What did you do, Jack, to ruin this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but uh, he also, how he got this catch was he fixed her. She was, her back was broken, and Jack promised he would fix her because Jack always keeps his promises. He will always fix people because he has a problem now yeah i want to ask both of you guys this you're both writers um i want to ask both of you guys this let's start with you eddie from a writer's perspective um is this romantic or is this creepy and neurotic of jack because on the one hand it could be like oh what what an interesting meet cute and on the other hand it's like he he's marrying a patient is this like Florence Nightingale sort of deal. How, how do you approach this as a writer? I don't know. I guess just because I know like all the stuff about like to me, it feels a, a little creepier and weirder. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I do think, and not to jump like too far ahead for anything, but I I, I do think it's interesting to play with this. The, the expectation that you set up of Jack and like kind of like one of the things that's cool that you see in the premiere is like that he is like committed and like is gonna fix and like do all this stuff and then to set that up to prop that up as a flaw the next time we dig into him is pretty interesting I think so yeah like I feel two ways about it but yeah and the episode does a good job of the juxtaposition of here's this woman he fixed and in this life he for all we know, off the island still has, and then his just obsessive need to fix Boone. But it's the it's the opposite. It, it's uglier. It's a it's it, it it's weirder. It's 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 a perverted uh, kind of. It's the same fanaticism that we see in Locke, uh, but but sort of in a weird, sort of like dark mirror <laughs> reverse. You know, they they really are the yin and yang of each other. They're they're more similar than they would like to admit. Uh, we also find out that Jack knows how to play the piano, apparently. Yeah, he's really talented. <laughs> Multi-talented doctor. Playing the piano. Women are checking him out. See, that's where it stops. That's where the talent <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I do two things. I fix people, and I play this one song on the piano. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I plagiarize Val. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's the thing. Jack, he's he's 
drinking late at night at the piano in the at the hotel where they're gonna get married because he can't write his vows. He's really procrastinating here. The night before, he's got nothing. I, I wanted to also get your guys' take on that, too, because, like, we all deal with writer's block in different ways. Jack goes to the pool and drinks and reads the work of a better writer. Yeah. <laughs> you ever have to, uh, you ever have to, uh, write some <laughs> vows last minute there or anything, Eddie? You ever have to, uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I don't think I was, uh, sitting in a pool, like... <laughs> talking to my estranged father and like chugging alcohol (laughs) (laughs) that's not how you get over writer's block (laughs) let me tell you what you got to get on top of these things because i'm i'm giving a i'm giving a speech at a wedding at the end of the month at the on new year's eve end of the month this episode (laughs) will be up in february or march people be in no but on new year's eve i'm giving a speech and um i i wrote that thing the second I was asked, I was like, I'm not waiting. I don't want to be the guy sitting in a pool the night before a wedding <laughs> having to write the, the speech last minute. Uh, can, can I tell you, um, uh, two, three years ago now, I was a bridesmaid at a wedding. And this wedding had no maid of honor because she, uh, in the words of the bride, she, you know, valued everybody equally. Uh, all that's of like her the bridesmaids wedding. That's like the equally. wedding I'm going to. Um, yeah. But because there was no maid of honor, day of, we're all getting ready. And I turn to look at each of the other bridesmaids. And I've been friends with the bride the longest, but I, I also didn't necessarily want to step on anybody's toes. And I just looked around and I, I went one by one. I asked them, did anybody write a speech? And the answer went, no, no, hell no. And hell to the no. Like everybody across the board was like, no, I'm not doing that. And so I went, well, okay then. And like, I I was like, I guess that's me then. And so I had to sit down and basically like the hour before the wedding had to sit down and write a speech on my phone and like zero time to practice. So literally when, when the toast came, I literally just read it from my phone, which actually was easier because I didn't have to make eye contact with anybody. I will say though, if I do say so myself, I'm going to pat myself on the back. I thought it was way better than the, the best man speech. Mm. How about you, Eddie? Have you ever had to write a, a speech at a wedding? Um, I did for my brother's wedding, but I, I, I like, it sounds weird, I, like, I didn't wing it, but, like, I got up there and I knew what I was going to say, but I didn't write it out, but, like, I, I can do that, like, I can get up and kind of be like, okay, here's what I'm going to talk about, and then I did it, and it, it was fine, it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you got your mental outline, you're not like Jack, just, like, sitting there, when you... In any situation, whenever anyone has to get advice from Christian Shepherd, well, things have escalated. But that's the bigger <laughs> thing, the thing here. Oh, what were you? Thing. Yeah. That was the most, that has to be the most normal, like, dad interaction these two have in the entire series. <laughs> oh, definitely. Like, it really has to be. Because <laughs> he's actually caring and giving him fatherly advice and he's raising important questions like the big questions of do you love this woman and and jack's response is all about the fear of what if i can't be a good husband what if i can't uh be a good father 
uh, and wonders if he asked her just because he saved her life. And the answer to that is yes. Yes, that is clearly, it really is. And you probably should not be marrying this poor woman. Uh, and we know that's what's so fast. And here's the thing. I don't remember what I thought when I first saw this episode all that many years ago. But obviously, because I can't remove the knowledge I have of Jack throughout the whole series out of my head now. But it is blatantly obvious he doesn't uh, love this woman. Or he feels, or if he does, he doesn't love her enough that he should be doing this, that he should be marrying her. He doesn't love her enough to spend a life with her. And I wonder if when I saw this the first time, I tried to convince myself, well, maybe he does love her. Like, right? Why wouldn't he? Like, yeah, maybe he's just course. maybe he's just bad she's, at vows. Yeah, he's gonna do the right thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it, it's interesting to think about how this played the first time versus how it's playing now. And he, you know, he gets up there and the. Uh, I I can't believe he straight up went. I didn't write any. In front of everyone. It's really great. I think probably the greatest shot of Christian Shepard also is in this episode. The look that he is giving his son when it cuts back to him as Jack is saying how he didn't write his vows. The look Christian Shepard is giving him is, you really made me fly all the way down here to not get married? I'm going to murder you, son. It was the best because I was getting ready to murder Jack. Yeah, it, it is funny that like I, when I when I'm trying to and again my memory of the series is a little hazy because I haven't watched it in a few years. But it, it, I think that has to be the most normal, the most fatherly and like normal Christian Shepherd is in any of these flashbacks. Well, all the other ones, it's like. You were drunk. I'm gonna torpedo your career. Like all the, I mean, all the other ones are, are, are things like well, that. And even even when we have a flashback where he is giving good advice, it's to Sawyer to go ahead and murder a dude. Yeah, Christian Shepard, great with the advice, great with vows, great at convincing people to murder. <laughs> Bad timing. Bad timing. Um, but all this is really, you know, it, it's funny because all these. The backstory here really is just feeding in as a juxtaposition to the island of this idea that Jack can't let go. He can't let go, and he really can't let go of Boone. Yep. Uh, Boone becomes this really, I think Boone more than a character becomes a symbol for Jack of how he needs to keep these people on the island alive, how he needs to protect people, how he needs to have some level of being in charge even that he feels like he feels he's the savior of these people in a way you know in a way he's like uh i mean he is the opposite side of the coin of Locke. i mean we know that but i mean i think this is like you said before the the zealotry megan yeah it's really palpable in this episode yeah you know what the as you were talking just now, the the character name that came to my mind immediately was Ahab. And I think both he and Locke, in kind of different respects, are ki- kind of exhibit those same traits of Captain Ahab. They have, in, in their own ways throughout the series, they each have their white whales that they chase to the detriment of everyone around them. Boone was Jack's white whale. This in this episode. episode, in this episode, <laughs> I, 
I have a Eddie. Like we we give Jack like a lot of grief on this show, and some days I feel like he deserves it, and some days I feel like he don't. He doesn't. Uh, are you more pro Jack or pro Locke? I'm, I don't know. I'm like they both drive me crazy. <laughs> in one thing that was interesting because I had like I started like um, the whole letting go thing. I because lately I've actually been and this is like a whole other rant that I'm not going to go on. But lately I've been thinking about the finale of Lost. One because I you know knew I was going to be doing this, but two with a uh, like Evangelion like popping back <gasps> up. Like um, I I have this thing that I wrote years ago about how, like the, like tying the end of Evangelion to like the series finale of Lost and how similar they are. Um, but so I've been thinking a lot about the finale, but that it all, it does all come back to like Jack letting go at the end of the series. Um, so it was really interesting that I've been thinking about that, and that this is an episode where that like concept of like Jack not being able to let go is like front and center. Um, and yeah, so I, I don't know. Like I, I I I I they both drive me crazy, but I really love the the juxtaposition of the two characters and like the tug that they're always. I'm giving um, with each other and like to the island and stuff. It is. I, I, I like the, the opposition of them a lot. It is true that this is an episode that does link to themes of the finale for Jack. Uh, and it really does take Jack the entire series to learn to. Literally to the day he dies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I, complete and total sidebar, Eddie. Please send me that, uh, because ever since Netflix made the announcement that they have Evangelion rights now, I have been, like, listening to a Cruel Angels thesis on repeat at work. Mm -hmm. So I would love to get your take on the Ava ending, for sure. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't know what any of this is. Uh, anyway, no, no, we're not going to get into it because we got to talk about Lost. Total sidebar, <laughs> Will, you and I are going to talk Evangelion when this show is over. <laughs> so, that'll be the next podcast. <laughs> no love, Evangelion? Neon Gen Genesis, love, lost, I don't know. Um, anyway, so, when we're on the island, like we're, like we already have said, we open right on action. Jack is in the middle of taking charge. He is trying to save Boone. Boone's lung has collapsed. And he Jeez. he punctures his his like his chest to let the air out so he's not like so he doesn't like suffocate or whatever. And Jack's also yelling a lot. He's yelling at everyone. He's yelling at Kate, go to the beach and get the alcohol. Kate, why are you still here? Hurley, get out of here. Hurley, don't I'm you like, Kate if you want him to live. Like, yeah. He's yelling at her, don't you pass out on me, Hurley. Don't you fucking dare. And Sonny's like, I got no time for your nonsense. For your, for your herbal remedies. And I'm like, one, racist. Two. I wrote the same thing down. I was like, is Jack racist? Herbal remedies thing. In fairness, in fairness, Sun in this series has been giving people herbal remedies for ailments. But like, in fairness. It's, it's so freaking dismissive because he's, he's just like, we don't have time for your witchcraft, woman. <laughs> um, he's got, uh, Jack's got no time for, 
Jack's got time for, for no one because as he <laughs> says to Boone, I am going to save you. With not holistic medicine. <laughs> yeah, like, and that's that's the thing he we keep coming back to. At the very beginning of the episode, he says, Boone, like, Boone isn't going to die. Like, I'm going to save him. I'm going to fix him. Which, of course, is the kiss of death for Boone. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, poor Boone. Oh, but, but, but you know what's so uh, interesting? We were saying off air, Megan, that we're like, oh, there's a lot to talk about in this episode. And there is, but very little of it is the mechanics of the episode because I'm looking at my notes and they are literally like... This person goes here. This yeah. person goes here. Sun gives Jack a break. Locke just took off. Where's Shannon? <laughs> like, those are my notes because it's really all just... It, it's so much about the Jack character and the madness that... He, <laughs> he, the, the, like, the the tornado that he is in this episode. Um, and that's the thing. Sun is trying to give Jack a break because, you know, he's he's working he's working round the clock trying to save Boone. Uh, Locke has disappeared, which is something that we don't really deal with until the very end of the episode. Uh, where is... It actually ties to one of the things that, like, that can drive me crazy about Locke. And it's only in a, a small part for here, but, like, when people like lost is like strung out so much by like characters not giving information that they should or information that doesn't make sense to withhold and like my whole thing with like lock leaving i'm like bro the the most suspicious way you could have handled this is is what you did (laughs) like you literally could have been like we found a plane and boone got in it and then it fell because that's the truth because boone's an idiot yeah, yeah we totally would have gotten the plane yeah, I mean, that's something that makes it... And that's something also, if Boone comes to and pulls through, he's going to mention that because he talked to someone over that radio. He's not going to keep that a yeah, secret. Yeah, literally, all you have to say is, we found a plane, there was a radio in it, Boone tried to use the radio and didn't get out as the plane was going down. All of that is true. All of that happened. You don't have to mention the hatch at all. And... You don't have to be like, uh, he like fell off a cliff. Uh, gotta which, go by. <laughs> which is the worst lie. Which is and, the worst lie. And Jack's able to figure out, no, he was crushed by something. This wasn't a fall. Something crushed him. And Jack figures that out pretty quickly. Um, let's just get it out of the way and aside. I, I, I was reading through, like, all these <laughs> little beats. Uh, Shannon, Boone's stepsister is off on a romantic getaway tonight she has followed Saeed Saeed has planned a a romantic dinner by the beach it's very lovely um you know if if Saeed had gone to an American high school like he would have been great at inviting to a, a girl to prom, like, like, can't you just see like on Instagram, like the the sort of like setup he would have done that would have been all over Shannon's Instagram? Like, you know, she would have posted like mad about how he asked her to prom. Now I'm really sad that Shannon died before she could find out about Instagram, because <laughs> she would have loved that. She would have been. She's. Oh would have been oh it's funny oh that poor girl she would have loved it yeah oh i mean she really it was really social media in its infancy when she 
when she crashed on oh, that island. Oh, Shannon, you died too soon. <laughs> um, but uh, they're having this really nice night, and Shannon tells Saeed, and I think this is the first person to learn this on the island, that, you know, like, he's my stepbrother, and he's kind of in love with me, and I am not in love with him, and... And I think Saeed handles this all really yeah, well. Yeah, he handles it a lot better than I did when I found out that information. He also... Well, especially, like, given the timing of it. <laughs> I was like, hey, I know we're making out, but, like, I'm just going to make some dust. That, like, my brother's in love with me? Notice how she doesn't mention that she totally hooked up with him. Yeah, yeah, she leaves that out. <laughs> Which, uh, that... to be fair, if you're about to hook up with someone else... Not a great idea to bring up. No, I would never talk to whoever I was going to hook up with about the time I slept with my stepsister. <laughs> I, that's something I don't do. I saved that for the third or fourth date. Smart move. Yeah. Good, good, good strategy there, Will. Um, but Saeed's, you know, Saeed's cool with. He he. It also probably explains a lot. For Saeed. Well, you know, something we're sort of sidestepping around a lot in season one is, um, you know, Saeed, as he says, has no expectations about this relationship. I really do think he's just looking at this as an island hookup because his heart belongs to Nadia. Well, don't tell that to season six of Lost. I was about to say, like, I wrote that down in my notes, like, oh my god, I forgot this was a film, and they continued to make it a thing. But you want to know what they, because Shannon dies in season, halfway through season two, I had forgotten, sitting through years more of Saeed, I had forgotten just how much they did, and I'm not saying she's the love of his life, because that's ridiculous, but... (laughs) But I've forgotten how much attention they did play to this to their relationship. It's a lot more than I had remembered once we reached the finale of Lost. Rewatching it, I'm like, oh, they've set all this up better than I remembered. Eh, for me, I'm like, it, the the finale in terms of them coming back together feels pretty cheap for me because well, yeah. they they sweep Shannon's death under the rug so much. Uh, after it happens because that's that I think is one of those TV course correction sort of moments where they're like nobody likes Shannon so let's kill her and it's like you were setting her up for a character arc guys don't you don't always have to listen to the focus group like it's okay you don't have to kill her so all this is going on Jack is you know doing his his thing he has to pop boons. I mean, this gets really medical. He's puncturing his chest. He's popping his leg back into place. That's what Sun uses her herbal remedy of bite down on the stick. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, get your herbal remedy out of here. And she's like, you're an idiot. And sticks it in his mouth so that he doesn't bite his tongue off. Oh, here's the question I wanted to ask uh, both of you. Uh, Eddie, do you know your blood type? No, I have no. I have, when I was watching the episode, I was like, I have zero idea what my blood Megan, do you know your blood type? I believe I'm O positive. I here's the thing. There's there's a card in my wallet that tells me. <laughs> here's my thing. I don't remember what blood type I am, but I know that I'm the type of blood that <laughs> I can give to anyone, but I can only receive my own, which seems like like that's uh, a double standard. Yeah. That's not fair. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't seem. I know I yeah, have that fair. one. 
and I can't remember what one that is, but that's the one is I have. Is that AB? No. Maybe it's O. I don't recall. I don't know, but that's what I have. So. I, I, I've gone to I'm many like, of them. I'm like going to have to text my mom and be like, Mom, what's yeah. my book? Yeah, <laughs> like, I better, I got to do the same. I got, in fact, I meant to before we did this episode and I forgot. <laughs> and then your mom texts you back like, you're a grown man. Go to the doctor. But Jack is also a universal donor. So when they can't find anyone with Boone's blood type, and Boone, luckily, comes through, comes like out of his like. Uh, Shock-induced uh, haze. Yeah, yeah. And is able to say what blood type. But Charlie's going around asking. Nobody knows what blood type they are. And. Yeah. If you guys were stuck on a deserted island. I don't know if I would remember. Oh positive. In all honesty. And even that one. I'm like. I think I'm 90% sure. But there's that 10% of me. That's like. What if I'm O negative? I don't remember. But Jack needs to like. Make a needle. To give Boone his blood. It is. A scene. Well, and and this again, this is what I love about Lost is that they're on this island. They haven't come across any Dharma Initiative bullshit yet, where they have medical supplies that they can use. Jack is sitting there trying to puncture his own skin with a piece of wood, and he's like, "I like I have bamboo to work with. This isn't gonna work. It's not strong enough to puncture the skin, but I need a hollow point needle in order to do a blood transfusion and there's nothing around. And Sun finds a practical solution and this is when this show was brilliant. Uh, not when it was dealing with time traveling bunnies, when it was looking for practical solutions to life and death scenarios on a deserted island. That's just my hot take for the show that came out in 2004. Um, yeah, well, Sun came up with a good plan. Oh, she's the best. I love her. So With her little herbal remedy. Yeah. <laughs> I love her perpetual mic drops in this episode. She's like, you're an idiot. Mic drop. <laughs> so, while this is going on, Claire. Oh, my God. Um, Claire, who earlier in the episode we see inquiring about uh, the raft, like she's like she knows she needs off this island. She knows bad shit's gonna go down, and um, Claire's off I, in the jungle. I do want to point out though when she's making the inquiry about the the raft, which I believe she, you know she's been keeping an eye on Michael, you know, making this raft for a couple weeks now. I love the moment of her walking away and Sawyer going, she likes me. I, I lo- There's a part of me that goes like, did Sawyer kind of have a crush on Claire? Because, you know, way back at the beginning of season one, he had that moment where he was like handing her the wallets of like people he had ransacked so that she could do her little memorial. Um, and he was... Oddly uh, bashful when he was doing well, that. There's a part I of me think, that goes like, I know he's just being a smarmy jerk, but there's a part of me that's like, aw, did Sawyer have a little crush? I don't think it's a crush. I think he's just like, I'm going to be nice to the pregnant lady because she's <laughs> the pregnant lady. <laughs> yeah, know, that's pregnant, my, I mean, that's my thing. The pregnant lady gets a free pass. Everybody else uh, is a potential grift. The pregnant lady gets a pass. Yeah, you don't grift the pregnant woman. <laughs> it's in the grifter's code. You don't steal water, <laughs> and you don't steal from the pregnant lady. Um, but Claire is off in the jungle, and while Kate's rushing back with her 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 bottles of alcohol, which 
I love just again a little bit of character development from Sawyer. He doesn't argue with her. And she, no. Well, yeah, he just like he just like this is the first time. Is this the first time that he like helped somebody without questioning it? Because you know. It, I don't remember a whole lot of what happened right before I, this, but, like, I did watch the episode before. It's the first time uh, I can remember. Yeah. And she just comes running out of the jungle, and it's the first time he's not like, well, 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 you guys want something that I have? You're gonna have to, like, make it worth my while. Well, it's this the is, first time that all of that gets shoved to the side, and he's like, come with me. But this is also a, one of the first times it's a true life-or-death scenario. Yeah, for sure. You know, Sawyer's not an irresponsible person. He's an asshole, but he's not an irresponsible person. If you tell Sawyer to send up the flare at a certain time, he actually does it, which is something that happened earlier in the scene. You know, it's, it's, he knows when he has to be responsible. He knows when he can flirt with Kate, and he knows when, you know, she comes barreling out of the jungle uh, because of an emergency. And another thing in the Grifter's Code, when Boone <laughs> is dying, you you don't you hand over little bottles of alcohol. It's in the it's rule number eight. Which let's be honest, that's the real tragedy of this episode is that a lot of alcohol was wasted on a guy who was gonna die. Yeah, who was always gonna die. But anyway, Claire, <laughs> Claire, Kate comes upon Claire in the jungle. Claire is going into labor. It's as it, people. It is happening. So what? I forgot that that was the same episode as Boone. Like, when I started watching it, like, it surprised me. I was like, oh, my God, this is the same episode. And then, you know, I don't, I'm pretty sure, I mean, we've talked a little bit about spoilers already that you don't care about spoiling things at the end of the series. Oh, we definitely don't. (laughs) I also, I remembered in the middle of this that, like, Kate ends up with that baby. Yeah. I, I, completely forgotten about that until like in the middle of the you know like the delivery stuff. I was like oh my gosh I forgot that like Kate ends up with Aaron she's like, Coast Island she's raising him there's also um oh, I'm such a terrible lost <laughs> fan I can't remember but in I can't remember which characters but in season five while they're time traveling I believe some of the characters witnessed this birth <laughs> Uh, Eddie, you couldn't see me just now, like Will could, but when he said time travel, I audibly sighed and rolled my eyes. You're not going to be able to sigh through a whole season of podcasts. I want to say that's the season five premiere is the one where they're jumping around through time, and I want to say that that was directed by the same director of this episode. Was it? Yeah. Ooh. Good to Uh, know. Anyway, Claire's in labor. They start yelling for help. Who comes running? Jin. Jin comes running for help. The one guy who can't speak English. What I, I love, again, this this episode is filled with tiny moments of immense character growth. Because when Jin got to this island, the he's not a bad guy. We know from his flashback he's not a bad person. Uh, but when he got to this island, all he cared about was taking care of Sun. And now he's at a point where he hears a cry for help, he goes, and and granted, you know, at first episode he proves he's not a bad guy because he's getting food for everyone. But he straight up dropped what he was doing and ran towards the call for help. And I also wonder if that's also him not picking up on a little bit more English and knowing what help means. And like, yeah, just running towards this cry of distress. So again, 
great character development. I love it. Um, so Jin uh, comes upon the scene, and they're able to convey to him, we need Jack, we need the doctor. Uh, also, bring this bag <laughs> full of little mini bottles of alcohol. Did, did anybody else's heart sink? When, like, Kate tripped and fell, and you just hear that audio cue of the glass breaking. Again, it's a, it's a nice little misdirect, because then it's just like, oh, some of one the, or two, one yeah. or two broke. It's, because you think that's what's going to be the big problem, not yeah, that. Yeah, like, oh, here's the problem, and then it's like, oh, no, it's the pregnant lady. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Jin races back to the caves to get Jack. To find he is giving uh, Boone a blood transfusion. Yeah. Jin walks in and he's like, "There's a lot happening right now." Yeah, I mean, he looks uh, 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 and it's played. I love the moment when he comes face to face with Sun right there. Well, and then like Kim plays great because he looks so like startled and overwhelmed, and then he sees her, and yet you can read every from the confusion to then a little bit of sadness that he sees she's there and they like the, they're kind of estranged right now and they're gonna have to communicate and he knows they're gonna have to communicate that he's gonna have to say something to her and she's gonna have to translate she's and the literally mere, the only person he can talk to and the mere fact that she has to translate will just more rub in the betrayal that he's oh. feeling like it's this great dynamic that you almost don't know what's going to happen. Like, is he even going to talk to her? Like, is he even going to be able to get this out? And and if you notice, most of the scene, he doesn't make eye contact with her when he's explaining what's happening. This sequence is brilliant. Oh, it's so good. But Jack says, hey, you're going to have to go tell Kate. He tells Charlie, because Jin can't convey this. You're going to have to, here's how you deliver a baby. <laughs> you're going to go have to tell. Here's the, here's the clip note. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have time to make a DIY video <laughs> to post to YouTube for you. Kate, uh, Charlie, go tell Kate she has to deliver the baby. And and legitimately, like, Jack, like, here's the thing. If this were a little later in the episode when we know Jack can't save Boone, but at this point, Jack is literally in the middle of a blood transfusion. So he, he can't like, go anywhere. I'm busy. <laughs> yeah. Although I think if it were an hour later when we know we can't save Boone— I think he would still yell at them and that I'm not going to get that baby. Like, I'm saying, like, he still would have because Jack can't let go. Nope. Um, I do love this, though, because, again, it it's, I love whenever anything falls back as a parallel to the first episode. And in episode one, you know, who's the person that Jack trusts to sew him up? It's Kate. So he's like, I know that Kate doesn't necessarily have a medical background, but I know if I tell her how to do it, she's going to do it. Look, people give birth in the back of New York City taxi cabs. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've seen enough movies, TV shows. I could deliver a baby. Could you? Yeah. Okay, what are you supposed to do with... <laughs> yeah. What are you supposed to do with the hot water? You know, <laughs> sterilize things. Like how? I don't know. You don't, you don't need hot water. It's a myth. <laughs> I am the first person to admit that if somebody started giving birth right in front of me, I would have no idea what to do. Oh, look. It I would mean, be that scene from Spice World where it's just like, ah! here's, here's what I would do in reality. I would be like, uh, push. And then I would just pray <laughs> that the baby's coming out the right way. Oh, God. I, I, I have been present for 
for the births of both of my children, and I still would have zero clue <laughs> <laughs> what to do with someone to lay the right partner. <laughs> I love how, like, you know, Kate is the one that's there walking her through it, and Charlie and Jen are, like, off in the distance, and, like... Like, in case she explodes, <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> But I love the moment when Jin, like Char, like Claire's, like really in pain and screaming, and Charlie wants to go, and then Jin holds him back because I think it's also right because it is. This is a very awkward and intimate moment, and I could imagine Claire doesn't want everybody. Sometimes pregnant women also explode. Yeah, you have to maintain distance. Kate's basically, she's gone from being a detective to a member of the bomb squad right now. <laughs> At any moment. <laughs> but before she starts having to push hard and everything, there is this moment of, this baby knows I didn't want it. This baby's not going to want me. This baby hates me. Can we can we just go ahead and give a shout out to the performances here? Because Evangeline, the sound of Evangeline Lilly's voice cracking all throughout this entire sequence um, was perfect. She's pitch perfect in this. And, and yeah, hearing hearing Claire going, like, babies know that sort of thing. They know I was going to give it away. Like, both of them are perfect in this in this scene. It's it's beautiful. It's moving. Um, like, for, for it, it's, you know, birth scenes on television, you know, obviously there's a certain suspension of disbelief, but this is one of those ones where, especially because it's on a deserted island, like, I was enthralled when I was watching yeah. it back in 2005 or whenever this came out. And and even a second time around, I'm like, I'm in it because I'm like, oh, man, <laughs> you're not in a hospital right now. This is the worst case scenario. Um, And she, uh, you know, after reluctantly pushing... She gives birth to a baby. Yay! Yay! It's a boy! And everybody's excited. Which, um, in the, you know, again, talking a baby about the... born with Boone's soul. <laughs> oh my, stop, that's not even funny. <laughs> like, Aaron as siphoned li- as, life away as, from Boone. As life left Boone's body, the soul came into the new life. Oh my god. <laughs> Are you saying and Aaron killed? And Shannon are out conceiving. Yeah. <laughs> <in a> circle. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, we should probably get back to Boone. Yeah, probably. Um, so, while this is going on, uh, it's clear Boone's going to die. So, what does Jack decide to do? Yeah, we should amputate his legs. <laughs> Um, actually, a, <laughs> yeah. in his defense, in his defense. Well, I, I actually skipped a part, uh, an important part. I apologize. Uh, Boone comes to just long enough to explain that there was a plane that he, they were in that fell on him and that there's a hatch. And nobody knows what any of this means, but he it's just enough. He Boone comes to just long enough to get Locke into trouble. Yeah, he comes too long enough to throw Locke under the bus and then passes right out again. And to, like, debunk Locke's, like, ridiculously terrible lie. <laughs> Which, to be fair, wasn't going to be tough to debunk anyway. <laughs> like, they weren't going to have to do an episode of Mythbusters <laughs> to, to call into question <laughs> Locke's story. Now, 
the amputation. Jack feels <gasps> this is, and I got to admit, it's been so long since I've seen this episode, I'd forgotten whether they actually went through with it or not. Oh, I, yeah, I couldn't remember. I couldn't remember if they went through with it or this, not. This was one I remembered. Um, I remember distinctly because this is a, um, this was a pre-Walking Dead, uh, you know, television show. And, you know, you watch The Walking Dead and, like, if a character gets bitten by a zombie, you're like, oh, better amputate that limb ASAP. There's a lot of amputations and, and it's, you know, gruesome and graphic and everything like that. But, like, you don't really see that sort of thing on network television at all. Um, you know, that's specifically reserved for AMC. And, <laughs> and, the, and the way this all is shot is great, too, because the sound of that, because they tested a few times. Oh, yeah, the the cam- sound is awful. The sound is horrific. And the motion is so violent. It's, it's one of those things where less is more. And it's it's the job of the sound design team and the editing to, like, convey how gruesome this is going to be. And, again, we, we got a little bit of that when they set his leg and he's just screaming behind that sheet where, again, less is more. All you need is that sound and the sound of him screaming and you need the sound of that rusty gate slamming into that into that piece of wood that they you know that they're putting it on to test it it tells so much with so little and it leaves you know like all good uh visual media it leaves the more graphic nature of what's about to happen to your imagination without having to actually go there i I did laugh at the juxtaposition of the flashback to like this is when Jack is saying his vow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like that the parallel is being drawn between chopping the leg off and, like, getting married. <laughs> he's just, like, that part of it actually did kind of crack me up. Wow. <laughs> because he's like, I love you, and I'm going to love you for the rest of my life, and we're going to be happy together. And then it cuts, hard cuts to him holding the the, but, the door. <laughs> but it's also, it's also, like, the only way we can be together, Boone, I have to save you like I saved my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing. And Son is immediately like, this is horrible. He's going to die. Let's not put him through this trauma. Like, he's, it's it's a lost cause. Like, Son kind of just wants to let him die in peace. Although Michael is an enabler. Because <laughs> Michael is like. Michael's like, sure, I'll chop off the leg. Yeah, he's, the axe. He's well, like, he's like, whatever. What's what's happening right now is that for the first time in episodes, Michael's being asked to do something. So he's like, "Yeah, you want me to help you cut off this guy's leg? I'll totally help. Please keep me in the show." He says, "Whatever you need." He's <laughs> like, "All right." It's been forever since anybody has asked me my opinion on anything, even remotely in my skill set. Yes, Jack, I'm here for you. But to further make the Jack Lock comparison. When Sun tells him not to do this, oh. Jack says... Oh, don't tell me what I can't do, yeah. Yeah, Jack says the, the lock line. Now, I, I, I can't transport us back. You know, we can't pull a lost and travel back in time. But I, I did want to know, you know, Eddie, you were binging through all of season one when Jack says, don't tell me what I can't do. Uh, well, how did that make you feel? Well, yeah, I remember, I remember when I first watched it, having that same, because I'm having trouble right now remembering, like, all the 20 episodes before, like, so much of season one and two is jumbled together in my mm-hmm. head. Is this before Man of Science, Man of Faith? 
Is that a season two episode? I believe that's a season two episode. This is definitely before. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's, I want to say that's a season two episode. Um, but I, I remember when I first watched it being like, oh, that's interesting. Like, because I want to say this is one of the first times they drew that, like, really big, like, yeah. you know, yeah. flashing light between the two characters. Yeah, and I, I'm thinking to myself, I'm trying to remember how many characters on the island up until this point have heard Locke say, you know, the thing that becomes his catchphrase. Um, and I think it's a total of maybe, maybe two. Like, maybe, maybe, maybe three tops. And I don't think Jack is one of those people that's heard Locke scream into the void, don't tell me what I can't do. Uh, I don't, is it even that many? Is it even maybe just Boone? I I think it's Boone and maybe Kate. Uh, Because I feel like, uh, there, there was an there was a bit where Kate and Michael were helping Locke on a hunting mission. Oh, that's right. You're and he right. Storms off and he goes, "Don't tell me what I can't do." So I feel yeah, like just right. Kate, Michael, and Boone. Um, so that that really that hammers in even more how alike they are because it's not like Jack is purposely using his catchphrase. So Jack gets Boone's leg in that horrible door and he's <sighs> about to. Any second now, and then boom. I totally thought he was going to do it. Yeah, so did I. And I seen this before, and I thought he was going to do it. And Boone was like, let me go, Jack. Boone lets Jack off the hook. I li- He's like, wait, 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 wait. Don't cut off my leg. I'm a lost cause. Do yeah. <laughs> Please don't do this. Yeah, Jack. just let me die like a normal person <laughs> like i'm i'm gone please don't cut off my leg and it's it's you know boone is giving jack permission to let go boone is giving jack permission to not have to be the savior that he clearly views himself yeah. as i i love that he's like you, i know you made a promise but i'm letting you off the hook that was that was a probably the best way he could have worded it yeah and then Boone gets to die as peaceful, I guess, as possible. And the last thing he says is, uh, oh. tell Shannon, tell her I. Uh. <laughs> he Always was... with the cliffhangers lost. <laughs> Always with the cliffhangers. If he was dying, he wouldn't have bothered to carve ah. <laughs> uh, uh, Maybe he was dictating. Yeah. Um, I do want to say, like, um, leading up to this episode, I've had a lot of problems with Boone and Boone as a character. And I, I will say that as a send-off, this is a good character send-off. Um, I have a lot of problems with how this ultimately works into the bigger framework of the narrative, but as a way of saying goodbye to this character and actually, you know, creating stakes by killing off a, a well, character well, that we know that's not Steve or Scott, whoever well, that guy was. That's the other thing, and that's the other thing you got to think about, is that we live in an age now where there are shows, particularly Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead, where they are killing people off so often it's almost a joke. Shows weren't doing that back then. Uh, Lost like, it was a big deal when yeah. when a named character died. Yeah, it was a really big deal. Yeah. Lost was one of the first shows that really started to create the no one is safe, people will die, people you have spent seasons with will die, and you're going to have to move on without them. 
And network TV shows, if they did that, it was always like a shocking thing or really un- – but this is the first example of where this started to become a little bit more of a mainstream idea. And it's so interesting that it's become so common that they kill off characters now that there are shows – like I remember watching Mad Men and that's a show where – I mean, some characters did die along the way, but it's not like a show where people die. Well, and, it's an added and, 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 yeah. and yeah, and but because I'm so used to people dying, I'm watching like the last episode of Mad Men. Like, are they gonna kill somebody? Like, why am I thinking that? Because <laughs> they're an shows, shows have set you up for for that. We like prestige shows in particular have set you up for the idea of we kill people. Let's not even get into the uh, the ending of the Sopranos. <laughs> oh, that's another ending that I like that everybody <laughs> hates. Um, but so, but, but yeah, like uh, we we get kind of desensitized these days in terms of um, you know, Walking Dead and and or even if you want to dig more into like the anime side of things or animation side of things, Attack on Titan pulls a Walking Dead and Game of Thrones quite a bit. To the point where, like, next season, I'm sure they're going to hit me real hard because this past season was too victorious. No no, no important people died, so I'm like, oh, man, next season's going to be rough. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I do want to give Lost credit, like, in terms of for what it does in terms of setting a precedent for television to come later. But I will say, as a kid, I liked Boone a lot more than I do as an adult. The first time I was watching the show, I felt for Boone a lot more than I do as a as a cynical, <laughs> grown person. Um, and his death genuinely shocked me the first time around. And even as an adult, as much as I don't care for a lot of what he does as a character, his this send off was really good. And there is a certain tragedy about this person who, despite his flaws, ultimately wanted to do good and ultimately ended up dying in a senseless way from the moment we meet boone he's trying to do good he's trying i mean he's failing at it but he's trying like i will probably slide back on this as we get further into the series but in this moment i'm like this is this is sad and it's tragic i will probably go and recount this later and say how pointless and stupid it is but this is really effective. This is an effective death scene. Um, and, well, and then also to set up, like, you know, it's kind of the thing that I mentioned earlier, too, to, like, this thing that endears you to, like, kind of the main protagonist of this show, you know, like, his, like just this never-quitting, like, saving everybody, doing everything you can to set this guy up as this also, like, deeply flawed person um, and to use that same thing that endeared you to him in the first sense to, like also see something that's kind of like wrong and broken with him um and then to have him like fail in a way that costs you know i mean it, it, it wasn't it's not that jack that this is what cost Boone his life but that he doesn't do the thing that the heroes do and they save you know they they come through and they learn a lesson like he still has the same problem at the end of the episode um and it's only because boone lets him off the hook right and so i i think that's an interesting thing that you know especially at the time um having uh, this, this protagonist that, like, oh, gosh, this guy's pretty screwed up. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, he's not just, like, this, you know, 
computer I, that fixes everything at the end of the TV episode, you know, I, and then everything's back to normal next week. For sure. I, I also do wonder, you know, what would have happened if Boone had died before he had been able to let Jack off the hook, so to speak. How that would have changed if if that would have changed Jack as a character well, at all? Jack is. I mean, okay. Let's be honest here. Boone dies. He lets Jack off the hook, but Jack never lets himself off the hook. I mean, Jack doesn't change because of this. I mean, he doesn't change. We already, we, you know, we've already established in our discussion here. Jack doesn't change until the last episode of this series. Um, to kind of put a button on this before we wrap up, we uh. It's the next morning at the beach. The baby's at the beach. Everyone's coming to see the baby. You gotta see the baby. <laughs> you gotta see the baby. You gotta see the. You gotta come check the baby out. Even Sawyer. Yeah, I mean, I would go if the, if I was on the side. I'd be happy to see come, the baby. Come see this soul stealing infant. <laughs> but then Said and Shannon are walking back up the beach, and Jack has to go tell Shannon and- her brothers. Dead. And to the show's credit, again, they 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 cut the audio. They, you know, they they don't actually show um, Jack having. They don't have the dialogue of Jack giving yeah, her the which bad news, been, uh... which made me wonder. Okay, so what did he tell her first? Did he go like, "Hey, Shannon, good news, bad news, good news. Claire had a baby." Yeah. <laughs> like, how did he? How did he go about approaching this? Did he want to like soften the blow? He, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good again. Good news, bad news. <laughs> Let's do. You, which one do you want first? The good the, news or the bad news? The bad news. Your brother's dead. The good news. His soul is in this baby. <laughs> His soul is in this cute baby. Do you want to hold the baby? <laughs> You're throwing a lot at me right now, Jack. Um, but but then we end where he's talking to Kate, and he's like, "Like we gotta find Locke." Uh, I can't remember the line. I can't remember the line. But I want uh, in my wait no. But in my head, I want it to be. Why do we have to find him? He's wanted for murder. <laughs> Like, it's something like that. I can tell you what the line is. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's time for us to get locked and loaded. Yeah. Um, No, the line is, is Kate goes, Boone died. And Jack goes, uh, Kate, no, Boone didn't die. To which Kate starts looking at him like a crazy person because he just said a crazy thing. And then he goes, he was murdered. Yeah. <laughs> like, when the... And then they have an argument about semantics, and she's yeah. like, well, no, like, he still died. That's the way you get murdered. You have to die. And it's, they just argue. It's almost like he <laughs> was murdered to death. By the logo. <laughs> <laughs> That's something the show desperately needed to do. So that is Do No Harm. Now, uh, Eddie, as you may or may not know, uh, at the end of this episode, we always like to do a little uh, pro-con, light-dark, Jacob Man in Black uh, little thing. What our favorite things about the episode were, and maybe what our not-so-favorite things about the episode were. So what it would be, your, what would be like your Jacob of this episode? What would be like the big highlight for you? Um, probably the, the end of the episode, which is like... Um, when you get that like that good old touching like lost piano theme that kicks oh my in. god that theme um, is so you know good I mean? like the show is so good at hitting those notes and I, I feel like it, again this is like one of the big ones of like the first season of like the death of Boone yeah. and like the birth of Aaron 
um, and seeing all these people, you know, uh, this this group of strangers coming together and helping each other, like Megan was talking about earlier. Um, yeah, to me, that's like one of the highlights is when that theme kicks in. I was like, oh, it hurts so good. <laughs> it's yeah, that uh, it's one of the great. I mean, the the score to Loss is one of the great television scores of all time, and that theme is one of the few themes that I can hear it completely out of context, and I'll get emotional about it. Um, yeah. Ma- Megan, how about you? Uh, are are we doing both favorite moment? Uh, let's start with the favorites. Um, I'm gonna go with uh the the scene in which Claire is giving birth to Aaron, and they're talking about like what if what if the baby knows I didn't want it like that's just so good and I know it's redundant of me to say my favorite thing about this episode was a particular performance but that that moment was just so good too because you know Kate is completely out of her depth but she's going to succeed um you know it, again it's that it's that uh episode one parallel of like this is a thing in which she's scared to do it, but she's going to do it, and Jack has faith that she can do it, and we bring it around to this beautiful moment between her and Claire. It's great. Uh, for me, I mean, this might... Oh, Sorry, what? one more thing. It just occurred to me. It's a moment Kate can't run away from. Yeah, that's true. And I always love when a character who is constantly running away either decides not to run away or, anymore or they can't run away anymore. Uh, mine is going to be really general but i feel like more uh, more than even most of the lost scripts and lost has always been good at this but this episode in particular keeps finding a way to raise the stakes it keeps whether it then be like like we were saying before the bottles break that's going to be important nope it's a baby thing oh, escalation who, who, yeah who are we bring into this mix now Jin. Jin's yeah. gonna have to communicate with his ex-wife there's all these emotional stakes layered underneath the, the I mean it's stupid that my my positive is the script but <laughs> in this case more so than others I think they're full of these little moments um Eddie what's your negative thing about the episode your man in black my, my man in black about the episode probably is the thing I mentioned earlier about logs like really lame yeah, lying I thought that, that might you know, be it, it's this is one of the like the it's one of the minor ones we see in Lost, but there's like a lot. It just it it, it grates. It really grinds my gears. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like because there's a lot of like uh, God, one of the things I hate about Lost, like in retrospect, is like how many times it, it's like if this one character would say this one piece of information to another character, we would avoid like seven episodes of like drama. Yeah. And then like. The show will put both of them in the woods together walking, and then the character will ask them about it, and then they'll be like, we should just keep moving, instead of, like, talking. I'm like, you can talk and walk at the same time. Like, this is something that you're both capable of doing. Um, it's, like, just, it's funny. It was, this is a just small version of it, that, like, that locked lie and, like, failing reminded me of, like, some of the tendencies of the show, and, yeah, that happens early, but that was probably mine. How about you, Megan? Uh... I kind of feel like this isn't necessarily an episode with a whole lot to complain about. Uh, so I'm yeah. I'm struggling a little bit to find a man in black. I guess if I had to pick again, and this is this is going to be a nitpick, but 
because I can also see the positive and the negative of doing this, having Boone's last words be, tell Shannon I, and then cutting it off. <laughs> because it's, that's, it's obvious. Yeah, it's, it's the one thing that feels both artificial and what actually would happen. You know, how many people actually get satisfying last words or, or give to give their final wishes? Probably not as many as, you know, we would like in real life. But, like, at the same time, and, and this is not to knock the performance in any way, shape, or form. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. Really good performance. But just the tell Shannon, I, and then, uh, It's such a television death, if that makes any sense. Um, I, mine is going to be Jack's vows. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Fuck those vows. It's like, oh, I've ne- like, I could never write anything as beautiful as you. Yeah, you obviously can't. Obviously can. you can't, because you put zero effort into it. Like, uh, I don't know. And I mean, I know yeah, it's because... should have been a big old red flag for her. Well, you see it. You see it on her face. She's like, I didn't. When he's like, I didn't write any. You see it on her face. She's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, I feel like Jack should have done a better job with those vows. And also, you know what? At the end of those days... Those vows, like, uh, I could write something better than that for for my non-existent Julie Bowen wife. <laughs> so, you, you know what, Jack? Uh, you should have taken some more time, been a little more original, if you're asking me. Um, like, he might as well have stood up there in front of everyone and said, you had me at hello. <laughs> yeah, he should have just done famous, like, love means never having to say you're sorry. Like, he just should have said, like, Empty platitudes from movie history. That's what have been, you know. I mean, at least out of one or two of them, he might have gotten like a clap from the crowd. Yeah, yeah. They're like, "Hey, I get that reference." As opposed to, "What is this guy doing? Is he leaving her at the altar?" Because, like, mo, like I would say, seventy percent of his speech is, um, "Is he gonna leave right now?" I'm just a. A, a boy, boy standing, standing in front, in front of, a of a girl, asking her, hey, "Come on, come on." You know, he said, "What he, he, he would have been be- honestly rather than talk to his dad and get drunk by the pool, he would have been better off watching like Notting Hill or like when a, Harry met Sally or all these movies, movies that night before." Um, Eddie, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. Um, before we go, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? Yeah, uh, you can find me on Twitter at twitter.com slash Eddie. That's Eddie with a Y, E-D-D-Y, uh, Rebus. Um, and then, yeah, I do a lot of writing for Rooster Teeth things. Do you have any projects uh, that you'd like to plug that, uh, that you can talk about that you'd like our listeners to know? Um, nothing that I can talk about right now. But follow him on Twitter, and I'm sure you'll be tweeting uh, uh, updates as they as they arise. Yes, absolutely. Megan, uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Mangwin. That's T H E M E N G U I N. And you can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link. And you know what? Let's do this. I, uh, I I wrote a book, Ooh, which I've self-published. Um, it is on Amazon uh, right now as we speak. It is called uh, Crazy About Kurt. Kurt with a K, cause, uh, as in Kurt Cobain. 
And it's about the 90s, and it's about, it's kind of like American Graffiti or Days of Confused, but it's about the 90s, and, uh, you know, go on Amazon and find that, or go to my Twitter feed, I'm sure I will have, by the time you hear this, have tweeted a million times about <laughs> it. Uh, but I figure I should start plugging it here. Congratulations, Will. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. Um... Okay, so well, and oh, don't forget oh, oh. to follow us. At... Oh, that's right. I always forget <laughs> to tell them to follow us. You can follow us at No Love Lost Pod. Um, so yeah, once again, thank you so much, Eddie. This has been fun. And um, oh yeah, thanks for having me again. It was really great. And uh, see you in another life, brother. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to No Love Lost on the podcast Jukebox Network. Yeah, we really appreciate you guys listening. And if you guys liked the show that we put on, you might like some of the other shows put on by this lovely network. Um, Off the Cuffs, which is a kink and BDSM podcast, which is very popular. Um, Being There, Will Sean podcast. Will he? Uh, he does. <laughs> uh, you would know. Drinks with God and proud to be kinky. Yeah, so we want to give a big thank you to this network for, for supporting us, for giving us a platform to talk about Lost On. So, guys, it would really mean a lot if you would show uh, these other podcasts some love. Yeah, go back, give them a listen. If you like us, you might like them. We're on the same network. Only makes sense. Go listen to them. Give them all five stars. Do that. And then also give us five stars. Yeah, we could use it. 